the purpose of what we do is to bridge this huge gap in the gender-based violence sector, right? So violence against women shelters are trying as hard as they can. Other shelters are, victim services, police are. But there's this huge gap, right, that no one knows what to do with the pets. And that means that people stay in dangerous situations. Welcome to 10.5, the official podcast of the OPP Association. I am Scott Mills. And I'm Emily Brown, and we are the Strategic Communications Coordinators for the OPP Association, and your host for the 10.5 podcast, the official podcast of the OPP Association. The OPP Association is a sole bargaining agent for the close to 10,000 members of the Ontario Provincial Police in Canada. Our members are our focus and our strength. We aim to provide important information to our members and the public about matters that affect policing in the province of Ontario. Well, thanks, Emily. Uh, We've got a really interesting topic today, and uh, we're going to be talking about a subject that's very close to to many of our listeners' hearts, and that is our pets. And uh, there's a relatively new organization uh, out there called Safe Pet Ontario, and I'll admit I'd never heard of this until Emily researched all this and got on board with this. Uh, It's so amazing. Um, And our guests today are Haley Gleholt, who is the executive director and the co-founder of, excuse me, Safe Pet Ontario. And uh, our second guest is Karen Moffat. And Karen is a retired OPP officer and she's a safe pet volunteer. So we're we're really happy to have both of you here. Awesome. Thanks, Scott, and welcome to you both. So we're going to get into the thick of things about uh, Safe Pet Ontario. But first, uh, I'd really like to learn about our two guests a little bit more. So Haley, we'll start with you. And, and maybe you could tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to be the executive director of Safe Pet Ontario. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just start by saying thanks so much to Emily and Scott for asking us to come on. It's really exciting to be able to share this with your audience. So just a bit of background on myself. I first became interested in this subject way back in sort of 2004, 2005. I was doing a master's degree at Tufts University in Boston, and it was in animals and public policy. And it was there that I learned about research on the link, so sort of quotation marks around the link, meaning there's a body of research showing that certain types of violence tend to co-occur in families, right? So domestic violence, elder abuse, child abuse, and animal abuse um, tend to co-occur in families. And I learned about the relationship between domestic violence and animal abuse and how abusers use pets to coerce and control their, their victims. So that was really when I first heard about this. And it honestly, it just stuck with me over the years. And I then went on to do a PhD and I studied the relationship between violence towards humans and violence towards animals. And then I moved back to Canada, back to Toronto. And then in 2017, decided just to go for it uh, and start this organization that I had been wanting to start for many, many years. So I got together some friends and started doing some research at Violence Against Women Shelters saying, is there a need for this? And they were really enthusiastic. So that's kind of how it began. 
And it's just, I mean, the human-animal bond has always been important to me in my life. Animals have played a huge part of my life. And I always sort of would put myself in the position of a survivor and say, if I had to choose between leaving my pet behind and escaping my abuser, it's just not a choice I could make. And I really wanted to change something about that and give survivors options. So that's really where this comes from. Very interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, Haley. So over to you, Karen. Uh, can you let us know just a bit about your career with the OPP and why you decided to become a volunteer with Safe Pet? Yes, uh, for sure, Emily. Uh, I'm a retired inspector with the OPP and have had a very diverse and rewarding 30-plus year career. Some of the roles I held during my career uh, included detachment commander, crisis negotiator, intelligence officer, seconded instructor at OPC, First Nations liaison, Western Region staffing officer, um, and as well I worked the front line in West Region and uh, what is now Highway Safety Division. During my career with the OPP, um, I, I ended up experiencing, investigating, negotiating, uh, and managing scenes of numerous family violence occurrences from the front lines. I was involved in these occurrences as a constable, as a sergeant, crisis negotiator, and as a detachment commander. There were lives lost, families were devastated, and whole communities were grieving for years afterwards. Fast forward into retirement, I've now been retired for 13 years and have been volunteering on the Board of Directors for Victim Services of Middlesex London for the past nine years. It is in this role that I found out about Safe Pet and some can amazing Canadian research out of Windsor that supports this program. Safe Pet is an Ontario-wide program supporting victims of family violence and human trafficking. Victims are fleeing abuse, violence, and an unsafe home environment. Uh, Safe Pet's foster family program provides temporary safe fostering of their pets so that our clients can seek out safe environments for their families and pets. To add to this, way back when, I also had a passion for animals, which began back when I received my first pet at the age of three. So pets have been a part of my existence almost from the beginning. Safe pets seemed like a natural fit for me, and it is. I'm now a volunteer for Safe Pet, and I am part of the foster family screening team. We screen all foster family applicants who would like foster pets in our program. I want to continue to put my energy towards something that would make a difference by removing barriers for families, trying to flee to safety from family violence. And um, when, I, when I say the family violence, um, this includes victims of intimate partner violence, parental abuse, elder abuse, child abuse, animal abuse, and human trafficking. I would like to continue to stop the cycle of violence that I have now uh, basically witnessed for uh, over 40 years. Well, thank you for that, Karen. Uh, congratulations on uh, on your career and your retirement. And yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's, it's very it feels very good to hear somebody in their retirement giving back like this. And uh, 
I can tell you my experience 30 years as a, as a police officer and uh, going to domestics, I don't know how many dogs I've been attacked by, but, but the dogs are actually protecting uh, the, the victims. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, like I'm a little scared of dogs, to be honest with you, because I've been attacked so many times, but dogs mm-hmm. don't like the uniforms. I'm just talking about dogs here. Cats get like that too. Yeah. Uh, they get really rangy at these scenes and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I don't know how many times I've had uh, had pets in the back of my police car, uh, taking them to a shelter or something like that, because there's just nobody to care for them. So I just yeah. think this is a great idea, and I'd like to I'd like to turn uh, the attention over here to uh, to Safe Pet Ontario and uh, Haley. I was wondering if you could maybe tell our listeners why Safe Pet was initiated in uh, in 2017. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so what you just said, in a nutshell, is why I started this, right? So, and I'll sort of circle back to that. But the a program like this didn't really exist in Toronto or in Ontario uh, when I started it. So I started by just going to some violence against women shelters and doing some research, right? Saying, do you see this as a problem, right? Like, are people not coming to shelters? because they can't bring their pets with them. And like the resounding answer was yes, right? And as you said, how many animals you've had in the back of your, your police car, right? Like there's nowhere to put these animals and survivors aren't leaving or they're returning. And we can get into the stats later, but the stats confirm this, right? So as Karen was saying, uh, Dr. Amy Fitzgerald at University of Windsor she has this amazing Canadian research, and that's a big deal, right? Because most of the stats and the research comes out of the States, but there's important Canadian research supporting this program. So the the program was developed, our pet safekeeping program, where we, we foster pets while survivors are fleeing family violence or human trafficking. Uh, we foster them for up to a year. So this pet safekeeping program was began in 2017. We started just in Toronto, and then we expanded province-wide in uh, around March 2022. Uh, and the purpose of what we do is to bridge this huge gap in the gender-based violence sector, right? So violence against women shelters are trying as hard as they can. Other shelters are, victim services, police are. But there's this huge gap, right, that no one knows what to do with the pets, and that means that people stay in dangerous situations. If we don't solve this this pet safekeeping problem, uh, we can't really um, comprehensively address family violence and human trafficking. So our mission really then is, is sort of twofold. So we offer pet safekeeping for up to a year um, for any survivor of family violence or human trafficking in Ontario. And then the second part is education. So we really try, we really work hard to spread the word about the link among these types of family violence, right? That animal abuse, elder abuse, uh, intimate partner violence, child abuse, they're all interconnected and they co-occur in families. So um, that's really like the twofold definition of our mission, I would say. Um, And we work off a number of sort of important core values. So the First one I would say is collaboration. We work really closely with, as I said, shelters, victim services, police, um, SPCAs. We work with tons of different organizations throughout the province to support these clients. 
another uh, important value would be harm reduction. So, I mean, Karen and I were talking yesterday before this podcast, and I, what I wanted to say was nonviolence is our one of our core values, but but I understand that that's idealistic, right? That's just not possible. So harm reduction and breaking these cycles of violence is one of our main goals. And also, I mean, we really see survivors as part of a family, right? And pets are part of that family unit. So in order to better serve survivors of human trafficking and family violence, no matter what age they are, what gender they are, we need to take uh, the whole family seriously. We need to take the human animal bond seriously. So that's kind of where it came from. Uh, that's why it was initiated. And that's, um, that's our mission, I would say. Now, Haley, you did mention very briefly the SPCA, and and just mm-hmm. for clarification for our listeners, because they might be thinking, well, don't don't the Humane Society and the SPCA take care of these kind yeah, of situations? Yeah. So, how does Safe Pet differ um, from the pay, pet safeguarding offered there? And um, yeah, the ins and out free of is it free of charge? I guess you can go into a little bit more of that. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So we're actually quite different from an animal shelter. So we really see ourselves as a gender-based violence organization um, addressing animal abuse within that sort of nexus of the family and of human trafficking. So the major differences I would say is that our pets are owned. So they remain uh, owned by like quote unquote owned, because as you know, they're property under the law, they remained owned by our clients. We care for them for up to a year. Uh, when they enter our program, the client signs a form saying we can give veterinary care to the animal on their behalf. And then importantly, they're reunited at the end of the year, right? So an SPCA or a Humane Society, we work with them and sometimes they can do like a one or a two week hold uh, for like an urgent situation if someone, you know, fled that day or please get in touch and say, you know, the abuser's incarcerated, but we have nowhere to put this animal. They can help very short term, but we do fostering for up to a year. So the ownership of the animal is an important one. We have an ongoing relationship with our clients or human clients, and we're not a shelter. So we don't have a central location. We don't have like a big building where we put all our pets. Uh, We work with a foster network, which is just private homes around the province. Uh, We collaborate with caseworkers, victim services, et cetera. And as you uh, mentioned earlier, we are totally free of cost to clients, which is a really, it's a pretty big deal. A lot of the pets we see, so so Scott, you were saying that you were attacked by dogs and many times when going into um, domestic violence situations. So the animals we get into our program, as you can imagine, uh, just like the humans have been through hell, right? Mm-hmm. So they're stressed out. They have huge separation anxiety. They sometimes have old injuries that haven't been healed and, I mean, part of family violence is financial abuse, right? So abusers often don't let clients take the pet to the vet um, as a form of control, et cetera, et cetera. So we do provide free vet care. We do that through donations. And also we work with the Farley Foundation, which provides some funding. So yeah, it is free of cost to the clients, which is wonderful. And Also, I'd say our our educational mandate is quite different from a humane society, right? Like we're coming at this from the point of view of family violence and human trafficking uh, and the role that animal abuse plays in those uh, types of violence, but or abuse. 
whereas an SPCA or Humane Society, they're mainly focused on animal abuse. I mean, which is which is wonderful and, and needs to happen, but we're a bit broader in that regard, I'd say. Wow, that's uh, this great work you're doing. Um, Emily did a lot of research uh, on, on all this type of stuff leading up to this podcast, and uh, she came up with a bunch of stats that she shared with me, and um, they they do resonate with me as a as a former police officer. And yeah. I, I I just want to I want to go through some of these stats. You know, uh, sometimes. Uh, Sometimes when a cop talks and says stuff like that, they go, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> I want people to listen to this. Like 48% yeah. of survivors, uh, actually it's 47%, 47% of survivors will delay leaving their abuser or not leave at all if they cannot take their pet with them. That is a staggering yeah, number. It is. And then another stat. 60% of pet owning, uh, basically uh, VAW shelter residents, were forced to leave their pets behind with their abuser. Uh, I can't even imagine how how that would feel yeah. for 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 a woman or or the children for that matter. Um, yeah, and uh, the safe pet actually receives approximately 35 requests for pet safekeeping service every month. Mm -hmm. And they have, you guys have over 40 pets in your care at any given time. And uh, I, it's just a uh, staggering, uh, those numbers and uh, obviously, and clearly a, a service that's, uh, that's quite needed and kind of sad that it's even needed, but clearly not a small problem. Yeah. And uh, Haley, can you um, can you just maybe break down these stats a little bit for us and, and why they're important for our listeners to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know stats can be a bit dry, but I really like these ones because, well, I, I hate them, but I like them because it you can really put yourself in the survivor's place when you hear these, right? So 47% of survivors will delay leaving or not leave at all their abuser if they can't take their pet with them to safety. So that just points to the idea that so many of our clients that get in touch with us say, like I've been staying with my abuser and I'm going to say the abuser as, as a male because stats show that it tends to be um, men abusing women in the most sort of lethal and high risk situations. Um, I've been staying with him for the past, you know, six months because I didn't I didn't even know your program existed. Right. And I had nowhere to go. So like we're coming into these people's lives at a really high risk point. Right. Because, as you know, when they leave their abuser, that's the most high risk point. So they'll delay leaving or not leave at all. Some of them will not leave because or 50 56 percent will delay leaving specifically for fear of their pet's safety. So that really points to the fact that abusers know that the relationship between a person and their pet matters, right? So the abuser will say, you know, if you leave, I'm going to kill the cat, right? So you better not leave, right? Or, or, you know, they abuse the animal to punish their human victim for trying to leave. Just some other sort of chilling stats. So two thirds of survivors indicate 
that animal abuse had a significant impact on their decision to leave. Um, and of those that went to a shelter, 60%, as you said, were forced to leave, forced to leave their pet behind. And I think that's kind of one of the most interesting ones. So in all the work we do with violence against women shelters and other shelters, um, people will go home to check on their pet and to feed it, uh, which obviously puts them at risk, puts the animal at risk, and possibly the abuser could follow them back to the shelter, the VAW shelter, right? So it's just a very high risk situation, but that shows you how important the animal is, right? That they're willing to put themselves and everyone at risk to check on this animal. So it's, and, and just to clarify the stats I'm talking about are from, again, Amy Fitzgerald. She did a survey of those staying at violence against women shelters in Canada. So these stats really are just the tip of the iceberg, right? Cause it's just those women that ended up at a VAW shelter, which we know is just a fraction of the people actually going through this. So it's pretty nuts, you know, uh, the degree of the severity of this problem, I would say. And the amount of intakes requests we get every month, it's just overwhelming. Uh, and the stats you mentioned, again, the 40 pets in care, 35 requests every month, like that also is just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because as we spread the word about our program around the province, we just get more and more applications. So yeah, so it's it's pretty overwhelming, to be honest with you. Yeah, and that's a good segue. Karen, I, you know, I, I'd love for you to chime in, you know, for professional yeah. experiences to, to relate to these stats, you know, as, as boots on the ground. Yeah, and um, especially in my current role on the board of directors with Victim Services, um, I've been in that role for the past nine years, and I've witnessed our intimate partner violence statistics. They consistently remain one of the highest stats every single month. So imagine nine years later, these stats continue to remain high. Uh, and the statistics also increased again during the COVID pandemic. Uh, this is an inc increase that our community and policing partners also experienced at that time. So because of these statistics, and the greater awareness of our organization and the services we provide, there has been an increase, a tremendous increase in the demand for our services at uh, Safe Pet. Yeah, for sure. So let's flip this a little bit. I, I wanted to just focus now on in the volunteer and fostering aspect. Uh, there might yeah. be listeners out there who are interested in getting involved. So can you talk about the process of possibly becoming a foster, how to begin, what to consider anywhere in Ontario, all of those, all of those aspects that, that people might need to know about? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a tremendous need, as I mentioned, for foster families for the Safe Pet program right now, right across Ontario. Uh, and as of today, uh, we have 31 pets waiting for a foster family. Uh, our number of clients served continues to increase uh, and foster families they are the background of our organization and our operation and right now we have more pets than we have foster families regarding the uh, application process uh, if you live in Ontario and decide that you'd like to be one of our foster families you can begin this process simply by applying on our website safepet.ca there's an application uh, right on the website 
Uh, you can currently be a pet owner, a previous pet owner, or someone who enjoys the company of a pet. When you apply, you can also identify the types of pets that you would be willing to foster. Um, there's a tremendous array of, of pets that owners have, uh, dogs, cats, reptiles, birds, fish. Um, you can actually indicate on the website what your preference is. And um, even categories like uh, the dog category, you can decide if you'd like a small, medium, large, uh, extra large dog to uh, foster. Um, so there's some really good areas uh, in the application that you can really indicate uh, what your desire would be as a foster family. Uh, members uh, of our screening team, what happens is they get assigned to your file, and our file uh, involves several stages in the screening process. There is a, uh, a veterinary reference check, so anybody who's applying to be a foster family who has previously or currently owns a pet our screening team will actually speak directly to the vet to, to really get a feel for how you cared for your own pets in the past. Uh, were you engaged? Um, all those things. Were, were the vaccinations given on time? All those things are really important. Also, there's personal reference checks that are done uh, in regards to your application. There's also a home visit. It used to be a... a um, home visit done directly in the home, it is now a virtual home visit. And this assists us in assessing the environment that the pet will be living in. Uh, we want that environment to be comfortable, safe, supportive. Uh, like Haley mentioned, uh, these pets have gone through trauma. Some have uh, old injuries, all of those things that, that are, are really important to ensure um, we make sure that pet has a comfortable, safe environment to go to on that temporary basis. And finally, we have the police screening that's involved. Um, it involves a criminal record and judicial matters background check, and that checks for records of uh, conviction, outstanding warrants, charges, and judicial orders. And anyone in the household that is 18 years of age or older has to have this police screening completed in order to complete the package for our application. Once the application process is complete, then the results of our screening processes goes to the Safe Pet Executive and there it, it receives final review. And if all goes well, you'll be part of our Safe Pet foster family team. That's great. That's a really thorough process. Wow. Just yeah. out of curiosity, Karen, what is the average time length of that screening process? I would say, depending on how quickly some of the references get back to us, because um, a lot of the veterinary clinics are very busy, and as well, there are some of our uh, personal references. Some are out of town. Some some are very busy. But I would say roughly turnaround would be about a, a two-week window for the basics, uh, police checks, they sometimes take weeks and sometimes take uh, days, depending on which police service uh, we apply to. Um, so it, it varies. But on average, I would say uh, two weeks for the basics. And then as soon as that police check comes back, um, then it goes directly to our executive for that final decision. 
Now, I would imagine some of our listeners might not be in a position to bring a foster animal into their home, but would certainly like to support this organization. So Haley, can you go into a little bit about how people can uh, support Safe Pet Ontario in other ways? Absolutely. So yeah, I do understand that not everyone can take a pet into their home. Uh, And I will just say, so you would ask, how fast can the approval happen? Um, So Karen's exactly right about the timeline there. But I will say as soon as you're approved, we can put an animal in your house within like a week, because we have such a long wait list. So but if you can't foster, I, I can understand that. So as a charity, we're a registered charity, we're, of course, always looking for donations. So that's one way that the audience that your listeners could support our work. We're looking for monthly donors, like if you could sign up to donate, you know, $5 a month, $10 a month. uh, That is just huge for us. Um, So I would certainly say monetary donations are always needed and are always welcome. The way to do that is, well, you can go to our website, which is safepet.ca, or just go to canadahelps.org and look us up. If you'd like to contribute to that, any of uh, your listeners would like to contribute, we would uh, be thrilled, honestly. Great work uh, you're all doing. I just want to throw in one quick question here. So so I, this is just the, the cop logistics guy in me. So <laughs> we, you know, we go to the scene and uh, we end up with a, a pet in the back of our cruiser. What, what are we doing? What do we, uh, who do we call to, to get you guys to yeah. Yeah, so that's a great question. So I think the first, so we're not an emergency response program, unfortunately. That's okay. a future goal I have that we really want to implement. But the first sort of steps to take would be either call a humane society or an animal shelter, see or a volunteer, a family friend, see if anyone can keep the pet overnight, either one night or two nights, and then send in an application via our website as soon as you can. So you just go to, again, to safepet.ca. You fill out an application. There's like a little arrow on the homepage saying apply here or I need help. Fill out an application. And when we receive it, we triage it. If we see that it's very urgent uh, and urgent ones would be, you know, the pet has been removed from the home. We have nowhere for it to go. Or I'm fleeing my abuser tomorrow, but I have to have somewhere for my pet. So we kind of triage and then we can work pretty quickly usually to either get a couple weeks hold set up at a shelter or if we have a foster ready and available to place the animal right away. Yeah. So that's kind of the process. Everything goes through our website, the application on our website. Well, that's that's pretty easy. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah, we try to make it easy. Yeah, so it's a really amazing service uh, that, that you're doing and uh, I am quite confident that there's going to be people that listen to this podcast and uh, they may be wanting to help themselves or know other people Mm -hmm. that can. So I, no doubt you have some success stories, Uh, Haley, without using any names, obviously, do you have a good news story you can share with uh, that you've experienced through Safe Pet? Yeah. I mean, we do have a ton of good news stories, right? And it's very easy to focus on the negative and I'm sure your audience knows that feeling, right? But there's a lot of really great uh, stories I could tell. A, a few of them, we've had clients recently 
Um, one client in particular, she was living in her car with her cat. Um, she had fled her abuser, had nowhere to go, uh, didn't want to go to a VAW shelter for various reasons, but she was living in her car with her cat. So we were able to place the cat in our program. She was then able to find other supports, um, mental health supports, addiction supports, medical supports. And she was just absolutely thrilled, obviously, right? Because she had put everything aside to care for her cat. We also had a client within the past year. Um, she was 17. She was eight months pregnant. And she had a dog. And she didn't know what to do, right? She was completely, she had fled her abuser. She had no idea what to do. So we took her dog and she was able to find housing, have the baby in a safe environment and care for her newborn, right? Because she wasn't having to worry about, is my dog safe? Do I have to, how am I going to afford to feed him? All this, right? And then I'll just sort of end by saying that we get, so we keep in touch with our clients when the pets are in our program, we send updates we send photos. Um, clients can't visit their pets because of confidentiality and safety reasons, but we send updates. And we get lots of emails from clients that are so sweet and they're saying, oh, today is, you know, Joey's birthday, like my cat's birthday. Can you um, send them a message for us? And one of our fosters recently <laughs> took a video singing happy birthday to the cat and sent it to the owner and the owner was just like sobbing with like joy and love and it just like it gets you a bit emotional you know because these pets have seen these clients through hell and back right like this relationship is just everything and they call them their babies right so I just find the birthday reminders really cute you know <laughs> like make sure you tell them happy birthday <laughs> so that's nice yeah. yeah, it's great to hear those stories and hear the impact. Yeah. You know, it, it's such important work um, and information for our listeners. Uh, so, so we're reaching the end of our podcast, but it's a, a bit of a fun segment that's been a tradition here at the Tempi podcast that we ask it, our guests if they had three wishes, what would they be? And so, Haley, I'll start with you. Yeah, so this was a hard one, to be honest. I have like a million wishes for this charity. And I it's very it's sort of my life's work. And I, I, I live and breathe it. But okay, so mine are kind of mundane. So the first one is, I would wish for the sort of funding or financial resources to hire full time staff. So right now, like I'm the part time executive director, uh, I work as a family mediator, otherwise, and then we have a part time placement coordinator. But we have so many applications that uh, we really need a full-time staff. So that would be my number one. Uh, the number two would be the organizational capacity and the sort of deep bench of fosters enough that we could assist every client that's eligible, right? Which like right now we do have to turn clients away sometimes and it's heartbreaking because I don't, we do offer other sort of options but it's it's horrible to have to say to someone we don't have a foster available for you and you know they're stuck they're absolutely stuck so that would be my next one and then my last one would just be greater awareness about the link right so about that body of research saying that you know intimate partner violence child abuse animal abuse and elder abuse they co-occur. And where you see one, you usually see others. So just to keep 
just to keep an awareness of that. And when working with families, you know, take a look at what condition is the family pet in, you know, or when speaking to a, a survivor who has experienced domestic violence, say like there is a program for your pet, would that help you decide to leave your abuser? Right. So that, yeah. So those are my three. They're kind of like not super exciting, but they are where they are. <laughs> no, those are good ones. So for <laughs> okay. sure. And Karen, over to you, your three wishes. Yeah. Very similar to Haley's. Uh, we, we must be um, working together and striving for the <laughs> same goals here. Um, enough safe pet foster families across Ontario. Uh, and I'm talking cities and rural areas um, in the North, East, West, South, in order to accommodate the number of pets seeking temporary homes while their owners seek a place to live. Uh, we are seeing that uh, jump in the numbers, um, and I believe that is because of the awareness um, of our program. Wish number two, ensuring that anyone across Ontario needing the resources of Safe Pet knows who we are and what we do. That increased awareness of our agency in the public domain will be so important uh, moving forward. Uh, and if anyone in the audience knows of anyone who would benefit from our program, please lead them to safepet.ca. And um, third wish, it's, um, it's a big one, but um, <laughs> it's just an ongoing wish from, um, you know, 40 years in, uh, you know, through 30 years in policing, 10 years with victim, um, victim services, is that wish for a decrease in family violence stats across Canada. I know it's a big wish. It's, uh, you know, I, I share your uh, your thoughts. Uh, yeah. And uh, the reason why we ask these three wishes uh, a lot of times on the podcast, because we've actually seen some results. Um, some people's wishes have come true <laughs> when they've uh, actually discussed it here. So Aww. and uh, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, we can be a little small part of your awareness here with this uh, podcast today. And uh, so that, that brings us pretty much to our end here. Um, Haley, uh, do you have any final words or anything that you'd like to mention that we uh, might not have touched on yet today? Um, well, just another thank you, uh, seriously, for, for bringing us on to your podcast. I, I, I love spreading the word about what we do and the fact that your, your podcast reaches people from across the province is huge, right? So as Karen said, we're expanding north. Um, we have people contact us, like police contact us and shelters contact us up from Capuscasing and Sudbury and North Bay and, and further north. So to listeners in all those regions and more, please consider signing up to Foster or just spread the word about what we do. And yeah, just thank you for having us on. I think that it can be easy to get bogged down with, for lack of a better word, sort of the misery in the world. And it's nice to be able to focus on what we can do to help, right? And how we might be able to make a difference in people's lives. So, yeah. So thank you. Well, you're very, uh, you're very welcome. And uh, Karen, uh, your turn, your final thoughts for, uh, for our segment here today my my final thought scott and and you can probably relate to this it'll be like a um, a policing piece here whereby i'd like to call for an all hands on deck uh, to our active members and retired opp members to consider 
being one of our safe pet foster families and and or also reach out to someone that you know who would be interested in fostering a pet through our program as well. Again, like uh, I'd like to echo Haley's comments too to thank thank you and Emily uh, for giving Safe Pet um, this exposure today, and uh, we really it's really appreciated, and it'll it'll hopefully move our dial forward in regards to uh, how we can care for victims and pets in the future. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, you know, uh, I'll echo what everybody said. Uh, hopefully this will help and, and spread the word. Uh, so I want to thank both of our guests, Haley Glayholt, who is the Executive Director of Safe Pet Ontario, and Karen Moffat, a retired OPP officer and Safe Pet Ontario volunteer. What an incredibly informative podcast. And, you know, just thank you both for the incredible work that you do every day for these these women and these pets. And, uh, yeah, keep it going. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button on your podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every other Friday morning. On behalf of Scott and myself, it is our pleasure to host the Pen5 podcast. And from everyone here at the OPP Association... Thanks for listening and stay safe.